give Jack Campbell whatever he wants. Honestly, just just sign him four four and a half here. Take it, dude. Who? Leafs pull out a win, five to two. Welcome to Leafs Late Night. I'm your host Roscoe. I'm alone again tonight, unfortunately, but that doesn't mean that we're gonna do anything different. Still gonna have a good show. So, Leafs pull out a big one. We're gonna go period by period and break down this win. This was a wild one. I mean, big rivals in Boston. There was a lot of uh, flashbacks. A lot of Leafs Twitter was uh, asking for this not to be a repeat, especially towards the end of the game. But like I said, let's go period by period. So first, uh, <clears throat> to start it off, let me go to my notes. Apologies. Usually I have another person to cover my time. <laughs> so uh, Marner sets Riley up for a beautiful one. And uh, unfortunately, Bergeron was in the net goaltending so that one gets blocked still 0-0 um, then back the other way Pasternak ends up kind of in the net behind Jack so uh, he couldn't tell if he was hurt there he ended up limping off uh, then Dermot diving to break up a 3-on-2 uh, feeds Bunting who draws a penalty which was great uh, Tavares almost tucking one in on the, the power play there but uh, unfortunately couldn't get one in still 0-0 I really don't know why Richie and Engvall are on power play too. I saw them both with time on that power play. And I mean, they've been better. Engvall, eh. But Richie was playing better. And I feel like he's found his spot, at least. He's found his role on the fourth line with Simmons and Spezza. But mm, power play might not be the spot for him. Especially when you've got two solid uh, lines on your offense and... I mean, a couple extras in Spezza, and I would say Kampf, Kasha. It's hard with that last one. I think it's the the last defenseman, the eighth one, or offenseman, offense forward, on the uh, on the second power play. That's the hardest one. So Engvallen got a chance at it. Richie got a chance at it. It's just I don't think anybody can really fill that role right now. They don't have that kind of depth. Uh, so Kampf ends up stopping a goal. Um, Muzzin gets called for knocking the net off, though. Uh, so Bruins go on the power play. And Taylor Hall puts one in. Bruins go up one nothing. Not a great start, but, I mean, Leafs are still playing well. Um, can't blame Jack too much for that one. Uh, the Nets just didn't want to stay on tonight. They were getting knocked off at both ends a couple times. So uh, towards the end of the first period, Bergeron then uh, throws somebody into the net and uh Tavares ends up knocking one in well the net's off which I didn't know could happen but I guess as long as it's the defending team that knocked it off there's that little window where you can still score so the puck barely goes over the line kind of hits Bergeron's foot doesn't matter it counts we'll take it tied at 1-1 so we go into the second period Leafs take another too many men on the ice penalty. This is just getting out of hand. This is like the fourth one this season already. This cannot be a recurring thing. This can't be how uh, they keep giving up power plays, especially if they're not going to uh, be playing too well on the penalty kill against good teams like this. So uh, <clears throat> I think uh, defensively, Sandine and uh, Lilligren I have here in the second period were looking fantastic, and I think they kept that up all game. They've been really shaping up. Uh, I think their defensive IQ is really good. They're very aware of what's going on. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, one I'll get to a little later, but I wouldn't call it too much of a, a mistake. Just maybe misreading a situation. Uh, so, doo -doo 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 -doo, sorry, one sec. Second period, Leafs go on the power play uh, with about five minutes left. And Matthews buries a power play goal. Amazing, right? Uh, nice little backhand there. That's like the sixth backhand I want to say the Leafs have scored this year. So then I can't decide whether I want to look here at the camera. It's weird. I usually have other people here. And I've never done this on video. So uh, Leafs then go back on the power play because Boston just, when you get them a little riled up, they don't get too uh, <clears throat> fair, we'll say. Game management got odd, but Leafs still uh, get two power plays back-to-back, -back, and Matthews with just an insane one-timer from uh, the circle there, like, just a la Ovechkin and Stamkos in their heyday. Just, oh, it was beautiful. Couldn't even see it when it left his stick until it was in the back of the net. So back-to-back -back power play goals for Matthews, really breaking that slump. That's 
I want to say five. They've won five in a row now, and Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander have points in all of them. That's wild. And But this is what you're paying for. This is what you need from that top uh, two lines. But nice to see the, uh, the power play shaping up a little bit, especially uh, against a team that they have such a history with, regardless of how Boston's been playing this year. So we go into the third. Leafs are up 3-1. to one. That's never a good number for the Leafs. 3-1, to one, everyone starts tweeting. It's 3-1, to one. it was 3-1. to one. Yeah, we know. So, uh, luckily, about two minutes into the period, Tavares buries one. Just an absolutely gross little recovery in front of the net, dirty. The kind of goal we've been asking for, Steph and I, and, and Sadi, to... Um, just kind of tie up that net front, things like JBR used to do, and uh, Tavares grabs his own rebound and buries it. Nice little dirty one. But then, like, dropping blood into a shark tank, the Boston Bruins just go full playoff mode. They uh, went out for blood, and uh, just an onslaught on the Leafs for the last, I want to say, 10 minutes. And uh, Pasternak, because he is David Pasternak, puts one in. Uh, closing the gap to 4-2. Mm, don't like that. That's uh, another shaky number against the Bruins. Just brings back too many memories of 2013. Uh, still remember where I was when I watched that. Um, but luckily, the Leafs managed to play pretty well defensively. Everyone really gave uh, gave their all, throwing the body around, which is something that people have been asking for from this team. Really diving for plays, blocking shots, a lot of things that you know we, we need to see from this team if they want to go far in the playoffs. And though they haven't been playoff games, because we are still in the first uh, month of the season, Tampa, Boston, and Vegas are playoff-caliber teams. And the way that they've played these games have been very even. So I think this is a good tell of how we're going to see this team perform in the playoffs. I hope. I mean, early predictions, but I hope they can keep up this form. So uh, Bruins pull the goalie with about two minutes left. Oh, actually, I want to back up. So, um, Muzzin absolutely demolished Brad Marchand behind the Leafs net. And uh, Marchand doesn't like when that happens. So he gets up and he wraps his stick around Muzzin, hooking him. No call, obviously, because the game management, again, was just out of control. Um, I guess when Matthews scores two back-to-back power play goals, you start trying to tip the scale the other way. I guess you got to give Boston a few because that's... I promised myself I wouldn't get into this. I'm going to do a whole other video on the league as a whole because it's hard to do a post-game and cover such big topics at the same time. So, um, Marshawn is hooking Muzzin as Muzzin skates off to the bench. I thought that was pretty funny. He can take it, but he he can dish it out, but he can't take it back. So, um, Bruins fully bowled with about two minutes left. They were looking pretty strong for a while, but uh, the um, Leafs managed to break away, and uh, Marner and Tavares break out of the zone. Tavares could have gone for the hat trick, instead passes it off to Marner, who uh, easily skates one in. Arguable if Tavares could have gotten it, he was a little obstructed, but it still was an open net, he probably could have put it in. But instead handed it off to Mitch, who just... Really needs that confidence boost. He didn't get a goal tonight, but four points. Like, holy, this kid is just on fire. I wish I had the totals in front of me. Usually I refer to Steph for those things. Thank you, fanalist. But uh, the point totals between those top four in the last uh, five games that they've won have just been unreal. And if they can keep that up, hopefully it's, you know, going to show on the score sheet. So... I did have a couple complaints about the third and fourth line, but as we went through the game, I convinced myself that as long as they're getting chances, even if they're not scoring, they're way, they're killing the clock. They're they're in the offensive zone. They're running time down. They're running the Bruins out, and really, that's not what you're paying for from them to get goals. That's why you have fifty eight percent of your cap and a couple of guys, right? So uh, I just want to move on real quick. Sorry, it's, it's hard to keep track of this alone. Oh, bear with me, guys. So, everybody looked good on this one, I want to say. Barring Dermot and Riley together. Uh, it's amazing what defensive pairs can do, because 
Dermot is not a first pair defenseman. That's very obvious. But it reflects so much on Riley because you can tell he doesn't trust his partner and he's trying to make up for him. I said the same thing about um, when Muzzin was playing with, uh, with Hull. So you could see Riley is unsure of himself in the way he's playing. And um, Dermot made a couple mistakes that, uh, that could have cost them goals, but luckily didn't. Oh, and I want to touch on Sandine's as well. So Sandine, um, the goal that Boston scored, he came up on the rush with the first line with uh, Matthews, I think, and Tavares, who were both out for whatever reason. And um, he kind of followed in behind them to try to grab a pass and missed. And because he had pushed so deep, he was almost behind the net at that point. And the Bruins turned it back the other way. And Marner skated back to try to break it up with, I think it was Brody or Muzzin. And uh, just wasn't enough, and uh, Pasternak managed to set up and score. So, could have been worse, but luckily it was not. Um, so the Leafs managed to hang on. Can't complain about a win. Ooh, 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 give me two seconds. So, looking forward to the next game, we're looking at the Kings, the Flyers, and the Flames. So, a nice seemingly break after playing uh, the Golden Knights, Lightning, and Bruins. Uh, Leafs tend to play better against better teams, but we'll see. Hopefully they can uh, they can keep up the streak, win or lose, if everyone keeps on this pace. I like how this team looks. So news around the league. Uh, the Blackhawks continue to just dominate NHL news. Uh, Colleton and his assistants, the coach and assistant coaches, were all fired today because the Blackhawks are off to a 1-9-2 and two or 3 start. Just mm, not what you need on top of all the bad PR they've been getting. So a uh, rough time for the <clears throat> Seth Jones and Marc-Andre Fleury-backed Chicago Blackhawks. So uh, other news, Carey Price is set to return to the Canadians, at least uh, in practice. On Monday, so no timetable for when he's returning to play, but could be good news for the Habs. Not that goaltending has been their problem, it's been more scoring goals, but nonetheless, he's a leader and uh, could shake things up for them. Sergachev gets a two game suspension for his uh, shoulder into Marner's jaw on uh, Thursday night. I predicted this was going to be a, a two or three game suspension, so he gets two games for. Cutting it across, in case you missed it, uh, Marner was in an, on a breakaway. Hedman ties him up with a hook, which allows Sergachev to catch up and just plow right through while the ref's arm was already up. Bit of a dangerous play. A lot of a dangerous play. Luckily, Marner is okay, but a two-game suspension handed out to Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, I was watching tonight. There was a little weird play that happened. Apologies, I just have to look. Um... So Ryan Lomberg of the uh, Panthers. So this is the Panthers and Canes game tonight. So Ryan, uh, Freddie was chased out of the net at 4 nothing after the first period. So Antti Ranta comes in to relieve him. And he comes out to play a puck that's coming down um, into the zone. And there was a, I don't know which hurricane it was that was with him, but... Um, Lomberg is beating him to the puck and Ranta plays out all the way past the dots like he's he's like pa past the face-off dots in the circle and just gets absolutely mowed down by Lomberg who was going full speed trying to catch a puck you don't expect a goalie to come I want to say like 10-15 feet out and about six feet over from the net like it's just it's not somewhere you expect to run into a goalie and he gets tossed from the game and if he gets a, a suspension from this I, I'm just I don't agree, because Ranta was playing nowhere near where a goalie should be playing, and this is why the trapezoid existed, so they're not in dangerous places to get run down by people that are trying to beat icings, and that's exactly what this was, and he played himself into a position that was dangerous. So I do not agree with Lomberg getting tossed from that. Um, I think there is a, uh, a lot that needs to be reevaluated in terms of player safety. Uh, we had a good point sent in. There's a lot of them from him that I want to cover, but... Our friend Luke Mann, I want to do this when we have more people, sent to us. Give me one sec. Something about the player safety. And it's about the, oh, the intention to injure. So he brought up a good point that 
we base suspensions on people's intent to injure. So obviously there was none here, um, but in another case, say on anything Kadri does, they'll say that his intent was to injure somebody. If we take that element away and just say the actions that you committed caused injury to player X, so you get Y suspension or punishment. And I think that's fair. Like we don't, we can't mind read and these guys can say whatever they want after. They, it's in the moment, it's in a game. Like their decisions are almost irrelevant because they're playing the game. Like we, we can't trust them to make um, these kinds of quick decisions. Well, I think we should. And I think that was Luke Mann's point is that if it's, if you take the intent out, then it changes the mentality um, of all the players that you don't follow through with hits that could be dangerous because regardless of whether your intent was to injure somebody or not, you're still going to get punished for it. So again, I'm going to do a whole episode on Batman and Daly because I think they've been um, called out a lot this week and uh, there's a lot to unpack NHL wide and it's like I said, it's hard to throw that in at the end of a postgame show. So I'm going to do a separate one of that uh, probably next week. So stay tuned for that one. Uh, also, head over to our Twitter where I have a poll up about whether we are going to do ads on our show or a Patreon or some combination of the two. I'm still working on it. But head on over to our Twitter and answer that poll so we get an idea of what you guys want. So with that, I'm just going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have a guest and be talking about EA Sports and NHL and uh, just gaming on the whole and where it's headed. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back to Leafs Late Night. Welcoming my good friend John, who is a uh, bit of an expert on the video game industry, and we are going to be talking about the uh, recent ending of the partnership between FIFA and EA, and EA also diving into NFTs and blockchain, and what that looks like for the new uh, NHL games moving forward and all sports games. But uh, first off, I wanted to touch on this before the beginning of the show. Um, I just wanted to give our deepest condolences out to the people and the families affected by the tragedy last night at Travis Scott's Astroworld Festival, where a mix of unsafe conditions and an out-of-control crowd left eight people dead and more in um, critical condition. Just absolutely tragic series of events. Uh, I watched through a bunch of the videos on Twitter this morning, and it was just heartbreaking. Uh, A lot of anger towards how it was handled by Travis specifically, but just to be not angry and sympathetic right now. I just want to acknowledge how awful this is and uh, show our support to the families affected and uh, our uh, condolences to the lives that were tragically lost last night. Okay, and and wait, doesn't, okay, doesn't Travis Scott have like a history of like having that behavior at his shows? Like he's been arrested for inciting crowd violence before, yes. So I would not be surprised if it happens again. That was like part of his brand, right? Like on the the Travis Scott like documentary on Netflix or whatever, like they talk about like that's part of what makes him Travis Scott. But like I don't know, that's that's not going to hold up now after after last night. No, there were some deleted tweets where he was saying like the place is full, but break the walls down or something, and people proceeded to bust past the police and break down the barriers at the front of the gates. So countless people got in for free that obviously aren't accounted for in tickets like it's just it's sad there needs to be yeah we have before um it's unfortunate that there aren't some like federal regulations around festivals like if you're holding an event for more than a certain amount of people that isn't like an established stadium or arena that you don't have to submit your whole proposal and be approved like here's our safety guidelines like there has to be something with all these stages that have collapsed and all these situations like this over the last few years. Yeah, people were literally dancing on top of police cars, stopping them from getting to what was going on. So it was just, it was just awful. Anyway, um, so the first one I want to talk about is this, yeah, lighter topic. Um, Always hard to move out of those, but EA thinks NFT and blockchain games are the future. Uh, So just quick, NFT blockchain would be like how NBA Tops was doing their cards. So you would have your hockey ultimate or 
soccer ultimate cards and i guess they would have a serial number that would then give it value is the idea i don't know what do, what do you think of of this in gaming let's yeah I, I, we definitely need to talk about because i i don't really know what it is like i know what an nft is like i know you know i've heard about these like N, nba top shop or whatever but like how would this work with like an annualized model right that's my biggest question is like if they reset it every single year how do you have an nft which is like by definition something that's permanent right that's another thing i wanted to talk about is 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 this going to change how the games are released like instead of seeing one every year are we just going to see like a free to play but paying for season passes nhl or fifa game or maybe not fifa anymore but yeah well i i think like you have to take it with a grain of salt first of all like the fact that they're talking about nfts like it's it's kind of just to placate their shareholders you know like every everyone is talking about nfts right now like i'm sure that they're going to get those questions on investor calls so like whether they actually do it or not remains to be seen but like they should be doing their due diligence and looking into nfts right because like think of what makes them the most money right now is microtransactions and they kind of fall within the same family right yeah and i feel like you're almost giving a part of the microtransaction profits over to people that are playing the game and they disguise it as this play to earn which i'm sorry is that not gambling like is that not what gambling is as play to earn yeah and we can get into the gambling stuff because that that stuff's already happening right that's already a problem with with fifa and, and nhl and all of these brands but um yeah, I, I don't know. Like, the NFT stuff, like, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. Like, to your point, like, if it's an annualized franchise, like, they're not going to give that up, right? Like, that's how they make their money is by reselling the same product every year. And I'm sure, like, exactly. NHL fans, you know, like, I, I don't buy these games. Like, I don't know, like, these sport games very well. But I know that, like, I'd be much more willing to play them if I didn't have to buy the same thing every single year. Exactly. I was going to say I'm skipping 22 more likely than not because I don't have a PS5 yet and I'm not going to buy it for four because there's features that aren't in it. So I'm going to wait till I get a PS5, which means I'll be late. So I'll probably end up getting 23. So so, so 22 is like available on PS4 and PS5, but like it's really limited in features on PS4 is what you're saying? Yeah, there's, I haven't dove into all of it but uh there are some things that like battlefield and i mean all of their games there's ea's kind of this is their new thing is they're going to add features that are possible with the engines and and capabilities of the ps5 and, and the new xbox but they'll they'll still release it for the profits on the old one and just dial those things back so i'm not sure what the specific ones are for nhl but like for battlefield they have double the players in a server for example so yeah they tend to do that like with. Even PS3 was getting iterations of, like, NHL up until, I want to say, like, 2015 or something. Yes, uh, 16 came out, but they called it, like, Legacy Edition on 360 and PS3, but they still released it. I think FIFA was still releasing on PS2 until, like, 2013 or something. That's insane. It's, it's so, to your point, like, re-releasing these is what makes them the money, so I don't really understand why they'd want to hand over... So again like if you don't play these games there's an element to them outside of just the the basic playing against somebody or managing a team and it's this ultimate team that they've added i think over the past i want to say six years uh, where you get packs of cards so they give you a free one and you can play games against people online and do challenges to get the currency but really you're buying the currency if you're playing this thing like it's one of those bullshit like you can earn it in game but it takes so long that it's worthless so you buy these packs and they give you cards and you get shit players and then you sell those to get more coins to then buy more packs to get eventually better players and you build a team. So it, it kind of is like in before the NBA Top Shots thing. So if they're going to stick a serial number on these players, I get how they're going to do it. But like you said, if they're carrying it over year to year, I don't see how it would work. It's almost like double egregious because like at first it was like it was already a pain in the ass that every year you had to buy a new nhl like i remember getting nhl 09 and like being like this is a great game i love it and then like before i knew it it was like oh i but i can't play online anymore so like there's that element but then it's also now that it's so microtransaction heavy that you're gonna lose whatever like sometimes hundreds of dollars that you've sunk into this game 
when the next one releases. Yeah, and that's how they're selling their deluxe editions now. It's just, oh, it comes with X amount of in-game currency, like GTA does, for buying packs. And, you know, that's... I don't play the game for the Ultimate Team stuff, so I feel like as somebody that is not part of that fan base, they're just not delivering anything for them anymore. They've shifted their focus strictly to this microtransaction in-game market. So it's kind of annoying as a fan of the games that they don't care about changing the mechanics that much over the last two decades. Well, and in in fact, like, getting rid of features too, right? Like Yeah. yeah. And then to bring them back and say it's new. It's new. Yeah, that's been a big controversy, right? Like, they, they've just, like, stripped features away from it. Even, um, think about the soundtrack, like... Yeah, there was no soundtrack. I forget which one it was, but there was no soundtrack, and it was just, a, like, a cinematic, like, you know, horns and strings soundtrack. And I was like, what? I found all of the, the music that I loved as a kid from these games, and you're just going to take the soundtrack away because you don't want to pay artists for it? They weren't even paying them, I don't think. Yeah, so they're... It's crazy, like, they're cutting costs like crazy. They don't pay their developers that much, to be honest with you. Like, it's not a lucrative space to be working for EA Sports. Um, but then their, like, year-over-year growth is, like, insane. Like, um, I was just... I took, took a quick look at their share... Or their stock price, and, like... So, back in 2015, when they started doing this microtransaction, like, the heavy implementation of it, they basically went up from like making you know 500 million off off microtransactions to like now it's like 1.6 billion per year wow at least for for just for fifa so like if you look at fifa they've made like 20 billion dollars like to date off of like this franchise and most of it comes from microtransactions within the past like four to five years so <sighs> I, I can see how it's, like, totally, like, transforming their business, right? Like, they they almost... I can almost see a future where, like, they, they reduce the price of the annual... The game itself just to get people into the microtransactions. Because that's really... It's the whales that are selling everything, right? Especially if you have to buy a certain cryptocurrency to get in to buy the NFTs within the game. Because I think that's how it has to work. Is you'd have to switch your currency over. So if you're making people not only make a one-time purchase but also invest the money like like you're, you're not just going to put in enough to make the one purchase you're going to put in like have a little bank of it in there like you're going to put in a hundred bucks or something to use presumably is what they want you to do so especially if they're charging you for the transaction to buy those and again this is a rated e game this is like all of this aside can we just talk about the fact that this is this is not in a casino we're talking about a, an E for everyone available to anybody game. Like, is that not a problem? Like, when is the law going to have an effect on, like, what can be in games and how the rating changes? Yeah, and that's, like, that's definitely an industry-wide problem. But, like, I don't know how bad EA is relative to other people. But, like, yeah, there's a huge ethical violation with some of this stuff. Like, you know, in order to get online, you need a credit card attached to the file now. Um there's like very little limitations to keep kids from being able to buy stuff. So you get all these stories of parents being like, I have, you know, $2,000 on my credit card now. And it's like, it's not the child's fault. Like we can say you need to be a better parent all you want. But at the end of the day, it's like, if we don't have the like tools and like security features in place, these kids are just going to keep buying loot boxes. Exactly. And not to mention, they're just addictive too, right? Like, like, I'm I'm afraid to get into stuff like FIFA, like, you know, it's it's addictive. Like, I, I don't want to be looking for, like, the messy card and, like, spending thousands of dollars to try to do it. We grew up doing that with Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! enough. We don't need to do it with digital sports cards that we didn't even buy as kids. So, so, is, so is that, like, the oh, pulse on uh, NHL? Like, because, again, I don't play these games, but, like, is that what the community feels like? They're, they're like, these microtransactions are bullshit. The annualization is bullshit. Like, the features are, you know being reduced yeah i mean this one is the first time i think madden's been using the frostbite engine for a couple years now this is the first time that ea has implemented it for nhl like that's kind of crazy it's their own native engine how have they not been using it for their like one of their biggest sports games longer like i don't understand and the engine's not Uh, even it's not built for sports games either (laughs) fyi no it's not but they've been using it for madden and it apparently works so 
I don't know, some of the things that they keep adding, like, throwback to 1994 NHL, and, like, they put in all these features, like, new game modes and things. They're not listening to what people want, which is just, like, more realistic management, like NBA 2K has, mm-hmm. where you're... The actual features of, like, contracts and how the players interact and, you know, the contracts you can offer people and the trades you can offer, it's all more realistic. Like, I don't know, it just... 3v3 pond hockey in nhl 21 is not a feature that i was waiting for you know (laughs) like they just just, they have no pulse on what people want and not to mention like you said the people that make it uh don't make that much the people that record the voices for these hate doing it like jim houston who's been doing it for years hates recording it because he has to say every person's name in like 10 different ways it takes him like a week and a half to do it it's crazy crazy oh my god yeah i don't know i don't i don't know like from someone who's like a, a, you know, average fan of hockey, like I could, you know, I could play play these games if they were like cheap enough. But I'm not gonna go out and buy them every year. Like it almost feels like a wasted opportunity because like I would love to jump into NHL every now and then, but like I can't afford ninety dollars a year on it. Like that's just such a huge exactly. tax to pay. Even if it's just like the on they should have a free to download game and then you pay for roster updates as the years change because that's all that really people want is the new players that have been drafted and players to switch around to the right teams and all that and it's a pain in the ass to do on your own and they update the rosters up until like may and then the next game gets announced and and even over the summer with the trade deadline they will stop updating the roster because they're like oh we're working on the next one right so yeah and then now that there's you know these microtransactions in place like it's almost too late to change anything like the market should have responded to this bullshit like back in the early 2000s and saying like we think it's unacceptable to have to like buy a new game every single year but that's not what happened right and now they can kind of get away with a lot you know they're making a shitload off of these off of these games that's like driving most of their business at this point and i don't know it's just it's kind of sad to see because it it impacts the rest of the industry right like you know other people are seeing how much you know, when they make $1.6 billion off FIFA Ultimate Team, like, it's hard for everyone else to not respond in a similar way. Yeah, and that's a good segue. FIFA announces after 30 years that they're ending their partnership with EA. So they're taking their name back, taking the trademark. EA files the trademark for EA Sports FC, which is presumably what their new uh, soccer game is going to be called if they lose the name rights, because that's another story altogether. But... Uh, big news for ea and could mean big things for madden and uh with the nfl and the nhl if they decide to go a similar route and uh, keep things open-ended instead of a monopoly with ea yeah you know what like i don't know it's it's a big brand hit but there's a couple things like i don't think that this ea should be super worried about this um you know fifa was asking for about 250 million per year by the sounds of it so one billion every four year um world cup cycle but from what i understand like this the partnership was really just like the name of it right like ea still has licensed all the players and stuff oh they've got the license to the names of the teams and everything all the clubs yeah yeah so they don't get the fifa name but they still get the teams and that would be the biggest blow right because like as soon as you take away the teams and like the players then all of a sudden fifa ultimate team is is done. Dead. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's one point six billion in microtransactions they just lose. Um interesting. So they've only lost calling the game FIFA whatever. Okay. Which like that's still a big deal, right? Like it carries like a lot of weight. Oh of course. Um, of course. And I mean like people you know, people just refer to it as FIFA. Like people are probably going to still call it FIFA for, you know, the foreseeable future. Um but yeah, I mean it yeah, it sounds like, you know, FIFA wanted a pretty large sum to keep the name but at the same time if you know if i were fifa i'd be looking at ea and saying like where's our slice of this pie like they're pulling this much money like i I don't know it 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 seems more egregious on the part of ea to like really be hoarding all of this you know they're not paying development costs they're not paying for new features um they're not paying for like the fifa licenses so like is this like how much of this is just pure profit you know it's funny, it reminds me of almost a completely unrelated thing, but when Hockey Night in Canada lost their theme song, it was one of those things where there's a contract that's been around for so long that when you go to renegotiate, it's like, okay, yeah, we negotiated this, 
you know, in the 60s or 70s or whatever it was that, um, you know, when the economy is where it is and numbers are completely different and now we're renegotiating it and I forget when it was that they lost it, like 2008 or 9 around there. But CBC didn't want to pay to keep the na- the song, so they lost it to TSN. So it's like, yeah, they were paying $125 million a year already for this, but that deal was probably negotiated for, like, FIFA 04 or something. And so in, like, in hindsight with that, like, with, with that example, like, do you think it's still a hit to them? Like, or do you think people just adjust to that? I mean, calling it EA Sports FC... Sticking your name EA on the cover like that is tough because they're moving away from being like EA Sports NHL and it's just like, oh, it's NHL 22 because they know that their name isn't very popular with people uh, getting voted worst company a couple times. So um, being called EA Sports FC when there's presumably going to be like, what if there's FIFA two, uh, 2K22 or 2K23? Yeah, and you know what, that's the sad part is like there's such an opportunity to strike here if you're 2K or if you're another player. And actually, like, coincidentally, um, Konami, you know, used to have Pro Evolution Soccer, which was like, it was a competitor. Like, it wasn't, you know, quite as good as EA, but like it was it was on par, you know, or close to being on par. And, uh, you know, they went away for a while because like the game was just awful. And they actually just relaunched as a free-to-play um, last month. And it, it's unfortunate because the game is, again, just garbage. It's complete trash. You know, Konami's, like, not interested in putting real money behind these things. But it would have been just the perfect time because, like, right as this news about FIFA, you know, ending the partnership with EA, if Konami just came in at the right time and, and you know, struck, you know, maybe they got the, the FIFA brand. Like, all of a sudden, this could be, like, a completely different ball game. Yeah, and I think it would be great for the sports gaming world because I think it's unfortunate that they seem to be licensing to one company at a time because it doesn't give for any competition. And it's something that's unique in the gaming world because there's no other game franchises that are so one-to-one compared. Like, there's no two companies that make the same game that would be put up against each other. But, you know, EA was putting out basketball games up against uh, 2K for a long time until they stopped making basketball games. Yeah, NBA Live games, they were, like, again, they were just awful. Like, it's weird how each company has, like, their their weird competitive advantages in certain sports. But, like, there's even an example of an NBA game that was completed, like, printed, ready to be sold. And then it was pulled literally, like, a few days before launch because the, the quality was so bad. Wow. Like, you can buy copies, like, in the wild on eBay and stuff. I think it was, like, NBA Live 12 or something. That's crazy. But it's, it was just so bad. You'd think that the success of NBA 2K has come from the failures of NBA Live, like a company that looked at it and said, okay, let's listen to what people want and make a proper basketball game. Now, in turn, that should send EA to go, okay, well, how do we fix NBA Live to compete? But instead, they just folded it, which is kind of telling of EA's business strategy is just instead of putting money in and investing in research, they're just going to fold and move on to the next thing. And you know what? I bet their investors are just like foaming at the mouth, though, because they're like... If you did this with FIFA, why are you not doing this with NBA? Like, why are you not doing this with MLB? You know, like, all of these different areas. But it's weird. Like, you'd think that, you know, if you can make one sports game, you can make another. But I feel like it's so dependent on, like, having, like, a solid engine. Like, having, like, a a good, like, gameplay mechanic, like, locked down. And if you can't get that fundamental thing, which I guess is harder than than it seems, like, then you're just going to get eaten alive by the the competition. Well, I think... Uh, something that's gotten better I mean I have NHL 21 I haven't got 22 but um, one thing that's gotten better is the game mechanics and how they actually feel and the the realism of it the thing that I think they need more help in is the actual hockey back end of the game like the the knowledge and the, the management and all that as opposed to the actual mechanics which is funny because that was the problem for the last 20 years was it just didn't feel like you're playing a natural hockey game and i feel like with the new consoles we're getting closer to that but like the trades that you can offer and the contracts you get offered and like i was a rookie for example in nhl 21 i scored like i had it on the, a pretty low difficulty I scored like 500 goals and i got offered like a league minimum contract for a rookie like it just it doesn't make sense 
So, yeah, so. It, there's a certain aspects of it. And I guess it's hard to, because then it kind of gets into algorithms of like, you know, what you scored versus, you know, other players in the leagues, contracts, comparables. But I think that's something that if they want to be serious about it, you know, fantasy and sports betting are the big things now in sports world. You got to get really into the numbers and the deep dives. dives. Oh my God. Are we going to get sports betting within EA? Dude, probably. I wouldn't doubt it. Like, they're starting to uh, apply for it. I forget which arenas they were, but probably Vegas, uh, to have the like live sports books in the arena so you can be in the arena watching the game and be betting on things live. Interesting. So, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that time. makes me feel. Yeah, I mean, single-game sports betting is now legal in, uh, in Canada. Our friend Mitch, very involved in that. Shout out. Shout out. I just... Yeah, I just I, I don't know. I wonder about the ethics of it again. Like, you yeah, know, EA's yeah. shown like time and time again like they don't care about like how addictive, you know, these things are. They don't care about no, the mental no. health or the well-being of their people. Um actually like a lot of FIFA pros have like spoken out and just said like these systems are like dangerous. Like they're they're bad for kids. Like it creates a lot of like, you know, there's like a pay-to-win atmosphere around it. Um mm-hmm. you know, like there's this whole like hidden economy behind it that's just like gross yeah and i mean look all the videos you see of people smashing their tvs with something or all they're playing fifa there's something to that like it's it's not healthy for people there's a very ugly culture around that game too so i mean we, we've got a little off i think that um there is an opportunity for somebody else to step in and really like swoop out um, the whole soccer or football world from EA there. I don't think um, it's a huge hit to lose the name FIFA, but I think somebody else could snatch it and that would steal everything away. Like currently, I'd say they're not in danger, but if like FIFA 2K23 happens, they're done, done. Yeah, like, you know, it, it's not a big deal in some ways, but in other ways, it's a huge deal. Like when you're dealing with a property that's that massive, like, you must think they're afraid to do to make any change whatsoever like any brand shift any marketing changes like they must be so terrified because they know that they have something good something that's working year over year and they really don't have to do much you kind of just sit back and let it just generate revenue but i could see them being very scared about this because like who knows like maybe losing like that little bit of like ubiquitousness with fifa like is just enough to lose you know, even if you lose, like, 10% of your customers, like, that's massive for FIFA. That's massive. And I think the biggest shift for EA has been that sports games profited the same way that, like, Call of Duty games do by releasing every year. Uh, that's, you know, something that other video games can't do because it almost wouldn't make sense. But sports games are able to do that. Now we're into a, an era where long-term investment into the games you play is bigger and that's where people are making their money on these microtransactions like look at rocket league it's been around forever and you don't see another rocket league every year they just have to put out season passes and cosmetics and things so now you you have ea getting to a point where they're like how do we balance our profit model of releasing something every year with getting people to invest in a game long term and want to continue buying things to add to it so I don't know how they're going to figure that out. Yeah, because, you know, I'm sure they're looking at games like Rocket League and, like, being very, you know, nervous about some of these guys because, like, you keep you keep your, your user base, right? Like, they don't mm-hmm. have to reset year over year, but every time EA puts out another game, charges 90 bucks, they're, you know, they're taking a huge risk and assuming that people are going to pick this game up again. But, you know, like, I, I don't know. If we went into a recession or something, like think about what you would cut even from like your your you know leisurely spending habits like are you gonna buy that same that same rehash game again like it's an easy one to cut but maybe i'll buy a new skin in apex you know like that's the thing I, i might not drop money on a full game again but something that i've had that i would invest in so i don't know how they find that balance it's it's hard when players change every year and teams change every year and yeah yeah yeah. it's shaky and you know like they're okay at least because they know that they can hit these these dates every year you know because the games are so easy and just rehashing the same stuff but some of these other annualized franchises like 
in the next five years, you're going to see a Call of Duty game that doesn't meet the deadline, which is going to be, like, catastrophic for Activision. But because, like, development times are getting increasingly, like, longer and longer, you know, Call of Duty Vanguard is, like, not a complete game. Like, that game is not done, dude, by any means. <laughs> no, I hear you. We're going to see more of that. It takes longer to build things when you're asking for more and giving people a bigger space to work with and more resources and a po- more powerful console. Like, it's going to take more than eight months to make a new game. Well, we're also dealing with all the, the troubleshooting for the one that's already out. Like, you're dividing your development team in half already. It's just it's unsustainable. unsustainable. Yeah, it's... No, it's not sustainable. Something has to give. And you know what? I'm kind of... I'm ready for that disruption because, like, I don't think the games industry is going in, in the right direction with being so microtransaction heavy. Like, on the one hand, like, game development costs are like the highest they've ever been you know $90 is is too cheap for a game these days relative to the cost that it you know it takes to build them but microtransactions isn't the answer like it's it's really not at least in the current way that we like you know addictively like get people into them yeah the the random loot boxes are something that really needs to be controlled it's it's the pulling of packs of of athletes or a a box of skins for your cars or whatever it is that that's where it's just getting out of hand like when you don't know what you're getting and you just pay for a box, a box. That's, that's insane, insane. and nhl still does that right like it's still full-on loot boxes yeah i mean you it's basically a loot box you're buying a pack of cards okay because a lot of a lot of games are moving away from that moving to you know battle passes and things that are like are a little bit more sustainable a little bit more you know like ethical um because it's like a tangible thing that you keep, you know, and you like there's some gameplay to it. And I, I don't know. These packs are just like it, it's just riding off people's like highs of trying to get a good card. Of course it is. It's taking, you know, 100 years of sports cards and uh, turning it into just a digital marketplace alongside an already successful sports game. Like you have the people there already. It's just your cards already connected. We put it on the main screen. Oh, you get a free pack today. It's your monthly free pack. Oh, it's shit cards. Do you want some good ones? Here's you know a deal on coins if you want to buy some today. It's it's insane. insane. And yeah, I think part of it too is there's definitely a nostalgia element. There's an element of like, you know, people grow up with like their, you know, soccer heroes or their football heroes or whatever. And a lot of it's just trying to like relive that so there's like this weird there's a psychological element to it and they do that with a lot of the their other games like another example like tangential to that is um and you should look this up it's it's pretty crazy but there's a simpsons mobile game that um basically it's all about like you know it's one of those like click games where you're just like building resources like getting currency it's just it's nothing you know there's nothingness to it it's like it's just garbage food you know um But the whole point is like you're trying to rebuild Springfield, and the reason for that is it's it's that psychological trigger of like you're trying to rebuild it because that's what it's like in your head, and when it's not, you know, when it's like this incomplete Springfield, like it it bothers you mentally, right? Because you're used to like the show that has like this is where Krusty Burger is, this is where Springfield Elementary is. So a little bit of a tangent, but like I just I think there's an element of that too, where it's not just about like wanting to build the perfect team. A lot of it too is like, you know, I like to me, football is messy. So like, I need to have Messi on my team, but unfortunately, I have to pay to get that. Well, yeah, and I'd feel the same if I was like, well, I have this. You know, you're putting together random players you get from packs, right? So if I had a couple random old players that I don't know, I'd be like, well, I'm gonna keep buying packs until you know there's people that I want on my team, or like if I get Matt Sundin or you know Mitch Marner or somebody like they throw these legend people in like oh you can get Gretzky or you can get you know you can put Gretzky on a line with McDavid if you want it's exactly what you're saying they just pull out nostalgia heartstrings and do they have those legacy players right now like can you get like Matt Sundin yeah in hockey ultimate team you can get legacy people yeah that's dangerous and Mm -hmm. again I, I don't know how much these NHL packs are making but like I feel like there's room for them to grow and it's just going to keep getting worse and worse until, you know, people in the community stand up and say like this, you know, enough's enough. Well, I think it was at E3 that EA announced that it was a couple of years ago that they were moving the FIFA Ultimate Team 
onto like its own mobile app separate from the FIFA game. Hmm. Like that's scary. Like they're just saying, whatever, this is its own thing. We're just gonna, you can do it on your phone now. Just give us money. Yeah. At what point? And that plays into the NFT stuff. Like, at what point is it like not even about the gameplay anymore? At what point is it just like, I just need to select this. You're just selling cards. Your your upper deck, upper deck. like <laughs> virtual you, you hockey cards. Buy upper deck, honestly, if that's the route they want to go. Are you make that's that's actually the overarching question of all this is e, is EA making sports games, or are they making a sports fan marketplace? Wow, no, that that's a good point because again, if the the game is static, like if it's not improving at all, like. It really is just, you know, just a, a platform by which to, like, sell these things. Yeah, it's you're just going into a store. Like, I, when I open NHL 21, it's a bunch of these tiles, like, you know, uh, windows or whatever. And the bottom one is a massive ad for um, the next one, like NHL 22. Pre-order your deluxe edition for $130 with all your extra points. And uh, you go over to the ad, you can scroll over to other ads for deals on coins and, you know, open you know get these people in hockey ultimate this month you know before time runs out get them it's like this is on the main page of like the game like what i feel like i opened an app like an nhl app or something it's insane yeah it's it's manipulative and it's like it's where the world's going like i don't know we're not we're not getting enjoyment out of this it's just a way to like you know consume and like take our money but yeah, it's all got to be more than just a game. It can't just be a game. It's got to be a whole thing. You got to be able to spend six hours a day and investing your money into it. And it's insane the market share that everything thinks they need. So, <sighs> well, good, good for EA. You know, like yeah, yeah, their stock's about the same as as Apple right now, and they're selling fake cards and fucking up every other franchise i.e. Mass Effect, Dead Space. We'll see how Battlefield turns out. That That's another game I don't think that's done. Apex, uh, they released an update that wasn't done, so and they rolled it back, and then it didn't roll back properly. And yeah, EA's had a really uh, financially good, but publicly bad year. year. Yep, and uh, yeah, so I mean, they can enjoy all the success that they want, but at the end of the day, like, you know, as a gamer, like, I don't have any respect for them, and you know, I can see like the the areas that they're trying to improve in, but I, I don't buy it. And you know what? I'm happy that they lost the Star Wars license because I I really think that that should be in better hands. Hundred percent agree. Well, thanks, John, so much for coming on to talk about this. I know you're not the hockey fan. I know this isn't what we usually cover, but I mean, it's it's NHL games, and uh, it's all one and the same. So, yeah, uh, always down to talk shit about EA. So bring me on. <laughs> <laughs> we can come back to discuss it again. Appreciate it. Well, uh, I'm sure there'll be more EA Sports news throughout the year, or uh, EA in general. EA Sports. It's in the it's game. In the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, once again, this is Leafs Late Night. I'm Roscoe. This has been John Sheehan, and we are up on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Audible, on Amazon Podcasts, and on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. Catch you next time.